Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 118. It's now been one year, 22 weeks exactly since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. Hooray, it's finally cooled the heck down. So I took this opportunity to walk on down to the local park where the show first began to get some much needed exercise and then hoof it on over to the podcast rock to connect with all of you. Though actually my podcast rock where I usually sit, there is a bunch of cute little kids playing sports right near it. So I had to experiment, have an adventure and find a new podcast rock a little bit further back in the park. So we'll see how that works out. Though I got to tell you, there is still some noise coming from machinery and a lot of flies. So we'll see if I can keep my F word tendencies under control as we move on. So after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, and I share what I'm letting go of today, I'll update you on how I'm doing letting go of eating before eating, or those automatic bite and nibbles that I realized last show were just jumping down my gullet. I'll share my monthly results from the iTunes Worldwide Review Report. I'll send a special thank you to an Amazon shopper from the U.S., recommend some shows from my old podcast, Daily Adventure Tales, and welcome new BC Karen, who asked for recommendations for a fellow in her life. We'll hear a few comment reactions from last show by Donnie, Dave, and M, and then I'll do my best to give M's poem, Whole Being Eating, the reading it deserves for Lori's stories. Then I'll wrap up by reading a painful yet wonderfully lesson-filled blog post I wrote recently called The Three C's of My Identity Crisis about the awkward changes I've recently been going through with my identity, followed up by the mindful and thoughtful comments by Fiona, Amy from Wisconsin, and Sue from the UK. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then I'll let you know what I'm going to let go of today. But I'm letting go I need to let go of BCs after listening to the wonderfully calming Josh is to let go of my anger at being here among these poor flies. These flies have their own fly life, but I wish they would go live elsewhere and leave me the heck alone. It's really driving me batty. So I'm going to have to just swap my hat around to try to make a fly-free zone while I'm recording and move on. You know, the thing that is really on my heart to let go of today is results. That's right, results. When you're perfectionistic like me or obsessive like me and really, really like to see those numbers add up or the scale go down or measures increase, whatever that may be, you find that you rise and fall on the results of the thing right? Like when I started intuitive eating, I had one goal in mind. I really wanted to make a life that wasn't fueled by fear of food or where food was the main focus. But of course, in order to learn intuitive eating, I had to kind of make food the focus still. I had to learn how to legalize it in order to take some of the sting of deprivation out of it. I had to learn how much of it to eat so I didn't feel overly full. I had to think about food quite a bit. 
So I couldn't say, oh, I have this great, perfect result because I still was having to deal with thinking about food and wondering about food. Now, what I did have was if I went out to a restaurant with friends or a party coming up or some social event, I no longer had to stress over what I might eat or not eat. But still, while I was there, I had to learn to pay attention while I was eating to the food. So in a way, my result wasn't good, right? I was still having a life thinking about food more than people because that's what I need to do in order to increase my skill with intuitive eating. Now, I know if you've ever been on a diet or ever denied yourself food or been on a specific eating plan for health reasons or religious reasons or any other reason, you find yourself thinking about food, right? If you need to worry about if something's kosher, you need to find that out so that you will feel okay with eating it. If you have an allergy like I do to seafood, I need to check every single time we go to a Japanese or Chinese restaurant to specify, are these spring rolls containing any bit of shrimp or crab or are they fried in the same fryer with your seafood? I have to ask. I have to think about that. So it isn't inherently bad to be thinking about food, let's say, right? But I also had this other result in mind. The other result was I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to lose weight and get thinner. I wasn't going to use the scale anymore, but I wanted my pants to get bigger. I wanted to see my body reduce, and I wanted to see my energy go up and a lot of other things. I wanted a particular result, even though one of the principles of intuitive eating is to put weight loss on the back burner, and I mean really on the back burner, like on the back burner, turned off, not bubbling, not simmering, not anything, like you're back there and maybe I'll get to you someday. That is really the first principle and oh my goodness, it is absolutely true. I find it personally impossible to really jump into learning the techniques of intuitive eating if I'm secretly hoping that I'm going to lose weight. Because when I do that, I have all kinds of judgments about what I'm putting in my mouth, which triggers some of that disordered thinking that might cause me to put some extra things in my mouth in order to make up for the, the police inside me that I fear is going to come out and arrest me and keep me from eating that wonderful glazed donut or whatever that thing might be. It's funny that I even said that because donuts are the one quote unquote fattening bad food in the world that I don't really like. I don't like frosting, I don't like donuts, I don't like them because they are too sweet to me. That is a fact that has saved me from many an extra calorie in the business world because donuts seem to be the number one thing that bosses put out there to reward you. So even when I was dieting, I was lucky I could forgo those donuts. But I'm getting off track. Okay, what other things have results? Well, the big one is the scale, of course, right? You get on the scale and you expect to see a result of those numbers going down. Well, for me, it's been well over a year, I think. I don't know for sure. I'd have to go back and find the show where I gave up the scale, but it's been, I believe, a year or more since I have been on a scale and known what that number said. I have no clue what I weigh, but I know it's not significantly less than what I did the last time that I got on the scale. And in fact, it's probably a little bit more than the last time I got on the scale, but I'm not sure because I have been consistently bouncing between my skinny for me 18W pants and my comfy for me 20W pants this whole entire year. 
I really have not changed more than I believe 10 pounds up or down the scale. I think I've been kind of maintaining in this range, like it or not, doing what I've been doing. Now, I have said many times that I do not believe that my current body weight is the be all end all perfect weight for my body. I don't believe that my body actually feels its best at this weight. I don't think it's horrible. I can certainly do what I want to do at this weight, but I don't feel it's optimum. So why then is my result that my body isn't like reducing my hunger or making it so I don't want to eat? Doesn't my body want me to lose a little bit of weight so that it can be more comfortable when we go on hikes and bike rides and things like this? Wouldn't it be in my body's own interest to get on board and somehow to magically help me let these pounds disappear? Well, yes it would. <laughs> However, my body has years and years and years of food abuse and eating abuse to get over. And I don't mean this like I'm actually separate from my body and my body has its own consciousness embedded down there wagging the finger at me, you know, mad at me or crossing its arms and saying, I'll get you, Lori. No, but the way that I've eaten in the past and reduced my calories extremely and exercised extremely has done things to the mechanisms whereby the hormones are created and I perceive them that let me know that I'm actually hungry or not. It also has impacted my metabolism along with my own genetics that I had to begin with. Also the habits that I have surrounding food and the eating of food and how I think about food as well as my family background and the things that I've experienced all contribute to the way that I, the conscious Lori, perceive the world and the way that my body is able to digest and process what I give it. Now, many bodies, when they are put on long-term weight loss plans, will react by making themselves more efficient. This is the way that bodies survive during times of starvation. Now, it isn't such a big deal that like if there's one day out of seven that you just can't get to eating your lunch right away, that immediately you need to worry that, oh, my body's in starvation mode and now I'm gonna put on five pounds. It's not that. But over time, your body systems are excellent at trying to keep you alive. So if it sees that there are these times where you're not gonna get enough to eat, the body will physically become more efficient, which means it will do the same on less fuel. So if it can do the same with less fuel, what happens to that extra fuel that you're eating? Or even if the fuel you're eating is what would maintain a person who's never been on a diet, it could be the same amount of calories and you will gain. Isn't that a bitch? I really hated that when I was reading those studies. <laughs> But that, that can happen, and I'm pretty positive that that happened to me. Also, I'm now over 55. I'm 56 years old, so my metabolism is going to slow. Those of us who have achieved the golden age of being over 50 can attest that your metabolism is not what it once was in your 30s or your 20s, let alone when you were 17 or 18, right? your metabolism does slow. And there's all kinds of reasons and theories for this. So whatever you think about eating, you do need to maintain your muscle structure and it is good to exercise and to do what you can to help this not be a problem. But many people, even those who've never ever
never been on a diet in their entire life have found out that they need to eat a little bit less to maintain their weight when they get to be this age. Oh my goodness, this really is sucking for me, isn't it? Here I am, 50 years of dieting and binging, screwing myself up. I got my psychological desires screwing myself up, and I'm over 50, so my hormones are screwing me up. Am I doomed to be screwed up forever? No, I don't think so. I think that I just need to be more aware and more tricky and more accepting. My results are actually pretty stellar, but I need to get away from numbers. I need to get away from being tied to a result. And another example is with my voice acting, right? I can practice and practice and practice and go to training and go to my coach and I can get feedback over and over and over again of what's good and what could stand improvement and do exercises and do all kinds of things and improve my skill. I have every control in the world about improving my skill and going to get feedback and paying attention to the feedback and working and working. I have zero control over who's going to think my voice and my technique is just the one they want to give me money for me speaking into a mic. I have no control over that. I have no control over that result, only my own process. Now, as I pay attention to my process and I continue to improve, someday somebody's going to hear my audition and say, that's the voice we want but I have no control over that side of the equation, only my side. Same with the scale. We've said that many, many times. You can do all that you want to do and do it perfectly and follow a food plan and exercise well, and there are just some weeks where that scale does not reflect what you've done. It could be water retention. It could be that you're putting on muscle. It could be related to what's the quality of the food that you ate. Did you sleep well? All kinds of things. The scale isn't automatic. Now, long term, yes, it is. Long term, you can't just keep saying, oh, you know, I, I'm eating a little too much salt. If for, you know, months on end, you're seeing that scale creep up, then yes, you are eating more than you're burning in some manner, right? For some reason whether it's a medical reason, a food reason, at some reason that's gonna be true. Long-term scales are good measure, short-term, not at all. And for me, if I focus like on this show, how many of you are commenting, or how many likes are there on Facebook, or how many reviews are there on iTunes, I could drive myself up the friggin' wall because I can't go to each and every one of your houses and say, here, like me on Facebook, here, give me a review, or any of that kind of stuff, you know? And it doesn't even necessarily equate with how I feel the show is doing. Because for me, part of the joy of the show is, well, a big part is when you do communicate with me, that's a given. I have ranted about that many, many times. But a lot of it is, here I am sitting in this beautiful glade. I'm explaining my feelings, and I know that many people from around the world are going to listen to it. Oh my goodness, isn't that amazing? Here I am in California, and I'm flapping at the flies, and you're there hearing me. What an opportunity. And I can hear my own voice, and I can evaluate how am I doing with my voice technique on this show. I can also listen to past shows and see emotionally, how have I done? Am I improving? What's going on? 
So absolutely, BCs, today I need to give up artificial result and I need to focus on the process. How about you? Do you have something, some result that you can let go of too? If so, let me know. I'd love to hear it. And I just hope that the process you're going through today is fulfilling for you and fun for you, like sitting here on this podcast rock, <laughs> like sitting here on this podcast rock is for me. Before we get into thank yous and welcoming our new BC, Karen, I wanted to just give you a little update on how I'm doing with letting go of this eating before eating. I talked about it at length last show. I realized that I have been automatically just kind of nibbling things, like if I put some chips in a bowl to take down to eat at the table, I will be eating chips out of the bowl on the way to the table. Now, I'm not necessarily eating more food, but I'm eating before I'm eating. And this is not mindful, and I did not realize I was doing it. Well, this week I said, well, I'll take care of this. I'm gonna pay attention, I'm gonna be mindful, and I'm gonna catch it, and I'm gonna stop it. Well, guess what? I think I'm 50% successful at this endeavor, 50%, because there's a whole bunch more sneaky things. Like, for example, let's say I'm stirring the spaghetti sauce, right? And I've used a little spoon to taste the spaghetti sauce because I want to know, does it need more salt or does it need more garlic or something like that? Well, that's fine. That's mindful. I know I'm taking this little spoon and I'm tasting the sauce and I'm making a determination. But after I have like dished up the sauce onto our plates for dinner, and then I am taking the spoon to put the sauce into a storage container to put in the fridge to have leftovers for tomorrow, I notice as I'm taking the dirty pot and spoon to the sink, I'm licking the darn stirring spoon. Now, I didn't know I was doing stuff like that. I start paying attention and every time I'm done with a stirring spoon or serving spoon and I'm going to take it to the sink, I've been licking it. It's like open a package, take a chip, open the cereal, take a few flakes, open the cookie, take a bite of the cookie, put the toast in, pop it up, take a bite. I am in such a gosh darn hurry that I am automatically eating these bites that I had no idea that I was eating. And I will say that paying attention has helped me about 50%. And it's helped me open my eyes wide to how pervasive this automatic eating is. So stay tuned and I'm going to work at it even more. And I'll give you an update next show on have I been able to eliminate most of these automatic eating triggers. Okay, now you've heard how I'm doing with my eating before I'm eating. It's that time for thank yous and to welcome our new BCs. It's feast or famine day for me on the iTunes review front. After last month's happy report of several new reviews, this month again reported nada. No review love from around the world for me. But I barely had the chance to get into my usual funk when an unknown BC gave me a new five-star rating on USA iTunes. So while I can't know who you are, I want you to know I appreciate it. By the way, those of you in countries other than the USA, I will see reviews from my monthly report, but I don't see ratings. However, even if I can't see ratings, I want you to know they still make a huge difference to the search results for Compulsive Overeating Diary in your country's iTunes store. 
In fact, I'm still amazed that compulsive overeating diary consistently ranks higher in Canada than it does in the U.S. Hmm, I guess I have to admire the taste of my neighbors to the north. Smooches for you, Canadian listeners. Also, a quick shout out to an unknown U.S. Amazon shopper who purchased a big ticket item recently. Big enough that rather than pennies, my compulsive overeating diary account got credited some dollars. Enough dollars from that one purchase that it will in a future month pay for all of my stats reporting and keep Daily Adventure Tales alive and kicking for one more month. I keep paying for Daily Adventure Tales as it still has several listeners, though no commenters. But I haven't the heart to pull it down forever. By the way, if you haven't had the chance to check it out, go do so. You can find it from a link on CompulsiveOverreadingDiary.com. Mark was very much more integral to that show, and we had a lot of fun going around having adventures. I especially recommend our holiday shows, our beer show, and Feeding the Ostrich show, as well as the Farmer's Market show, which was Cheryl's favorite. We do have one new BC to welcome today. Hooray! Karen posted this comment on day 38. I love listening to your podcast. I'm up to episode 40 now. It is motivating me to deal with my feelings. Do you recommend a podcast for, and she mentions a guy in her life, who deals with the same problem? Thanks for all you're doing, Karen. And I made this recommendation. Hi, Karen. You might like to check out Alan Stanish's podcast and his interview with Andrew Wallen about his book, Man Up to Eating Disorders. Ellen began his podcast just because men didn't have a voice around this topic, and the book looks pretty good to help show that this guy is not alone. Welcome, and thanks for saying hello. So, BCs, especially you fellas out there in BC land, it would be awesomely great if you would, like Dave, bravely say hello so other guys know you are out there too. And everyone, please stop by day 38, or today, day 118, to post a hi to new BC Karen. a few BC reactions to day 117, which featured my list rant, Donnie's half marathon, my prayer slash good thoughts request for Mark's special relative, and my letting go of automatic eating before sitting down to eat that I mentioned earlier. First up, Donnie weighs in after getting to the episode after a busy week. Hiya friends, grabbed up the episode yesterday finally, yahoo! I got whiplash from nodding in agreement with your first segment on the eating slash food situation. Oh me, oh my, describes me to a T. I think I'll take practice as you are in being mindfully aware of this activity of habituality. Hmm. I meant to speak pipe my reply, but lost track of time and desire and meant to coulda, shoulda, woulda. But now it's today and I'm at work. Phew! I love, love, love this episode. As always, you never fail to represent to us, Rockstar. Thank you so much, truly. My reply. Hiya, Donnie. I'm sure having my eyes open as I try to notice and eliminate this auto pre-eating behavior. Yikes, half the time the item is down my gullet before I even notice I'm at the cupboard. Goodness, I need to practice noticing I'm hungry. I'm hypnotized and thinking of other things as my body marches me to the kitchen. I'm finding it helps to eat a meal instead of a snack. I have been waiting too long to eat, I think, and then all bets are off. Thanks again for sticking with me through this whiny period. I appreciate it, and I feel I'm coming out the other side. XOXOXO. BC Dave went all in to comment on this episode. Big smooch for that, Dave. Dave writes, What an awesome episode. Well worth the wait. 
Thanks to all the BCs for their love, support, strength, and uplifting words. Prayers going out for Mark's relative and all the BCs. May you have peace and healing, and may those supporting you have strength and comfort. I love to cook, and I too have to learn to stop eating before I eat. Donnie, I'm so excited for you. I understand that the half marathon was not as fun as you wanted, but the fact that you completed it despite wanting to stop is awesome. I have run, jogged, and walked Bloomsday twice, 12K or 7.46 miles. I was a lot healthier than I am now, and while it was hard work, crossing that finish line is always wonderful. Cresting Doomsday Hill and high-fiving the buzzard are rewarding too. Male BCs, I have been binging my way through the past episodes, and I have heard comments and emails from other men. It would be awesome if you would consider letting go of shame and fear of seeming less manly and shared with us all what's going on in your journey. I, too, am a list maker and a master procrastinator. I find that if I just write the list down, it takes some of the pressure off. Not that I get more done, but at least I don't worry about forgetting something. Heat. Whoa. Now, I know in Cali it gets a lot hotter than up here in the Pacific Northwest, just south of Seattle, but it has been up in the low 90s to mid-80s, and I am melting. I get home from work where there is AC and go home and roast. I really, 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 really wish heat melted fat, but it just seems to fry my brain. Just a word for those BCs that keep in touch with Lori privately or anonymously. Welcome, and know that this is a very, very safe place to share, and I pray for you too. Mark, thanks for sharing. I used to like hiking and biking, but I've allowed myself to get far too out of shape. I can barely walk 0.8 miles unless I'm highly medicated. I was inspired to get into shape to go riding again, so I tried to get on a stationary bike, and the seat got way too personal, and my knees hurt so bad I had to give up. Then I tried the recumbent stationary bike, and my fat thighs got in the way, and it was so awkward. Talk about a binge trigger. I also love geology. I'm a notorious rock hound, and when we moved from a house into our apartment, I threw away a lot of junk, but kept my rocks. I even collected 20-pound rock from Sherman Creek in the Colville National Forest. Unfortunately, I left it behind when we moved. I took a geology class at Eastern Washington University, Go Eagles, and we had a field trip into the Palouse, and we learned all kinds of cool things, like how the Missoula floods made the ripples in the Palouse look like the ripples on the beach. There are some awesome glacial erratics. I am getting all geo-geeky. But I also play games online, like World of Warcraft and League of Legends. However, I did not play with others online. My wife and I play Diablo 2, and I like Grand Theft Auto games, but I don't do those online. I used to be a big tabletop gamer. D&D, GURPS, Cyberpunk, Warhammer, and the like. Wow, I say. Wow, Dave, thanks so much for all of these thoughtful comments. I won't read my reply, but you made a couple of points I thought would make great discussion. First up, getting back into fitness or starting fresh, what are strategies that have worked for you? Here are a couple of my thoughts, and that is slow and steady. You know, when you're in a lesser shape than you were, or you're bigger than you were, or your joints aren't used to taking the pavement or pounding like they were, you have to just start where you are. Like I know Mark said before, when he was really, really, really bigger than he is today, he started by just walking out the front door for one block and walking back. And that was all that he could do, both cardio-wise and joint-wise. And when I weighed 300 pounds, I was pretty much the same. I did water aerobics because 
that was something I could do. It was easy on my joints. And I started going for short walks in the park, this very same park. But I couldn't walk as far as even the podcast rock when I began. I walked just a few feet into the park, rested, and then came back. And I would do that for about a week and then go a little bit further. And I'll tell you, it is aggravating and awful to not do what you used to do. It's hard psychologically for us to admit, hey, you know what? I'm not in the same place I used to be. But if you try to go too soon and go too fast and go too far, you will hurt yourself. And then you're on like bed rest for weeks and weeks. And then you have to start all over. And the weird thing is, BCs, because I've had many injuries, as you know, some of them during the course of these shows, in fact, that it is so exponential. You're walking that one block, then two blocks, then four blocks, then half a mile, then a mile, then two miles, then eight miles. It goes so fast. If you will just let yourself be how you are and add up a little more to that. So how about you, BCs? What do you do when you're getting back into shape? Or what did you do when you first started out? I'd love to hear your tips and tricks. Secondly, I'd like to discuss Dave's point about guy BCs coming to participate. I know you are out there. Some of you write me letters. I know. And as you heard when we welcome new BC Karen, she asked for a whole different podcast recommendation for her male relative who likewise struggles with compulsive eating issues. Because we seem to be a female tribe around here lately, except for Mark and Dave. So I'm giving a special invitation. Guy BCs, please comment or send audio. You can discuss games, sports, fishing, any guy stuff, anything that makes you you. It would be wonderful to get to know more about the male point of view. And double thanks to Dave for being brave and letting us know your story. The last reaction to day 117 comes from M. M writes, hello, Lori and the BCs. Thanks for keeping me company via the podcast during my early morning and already stinking hot dog day of summer hike up the hill. I even made the choice to head up the steep part since the podcast was still playing. I don't think I could have made it without you. In fact, it was during your list rant that I was huffing and puffing my way up, giggling and gasping for air as you read, because I list rant too, and appreciating your wise responses. I find it interesting that we rant about the things we actually like to do. Perhaps it's because we're slightly overwhelmed by both the chores and the choices since there are indeed many. I think I still sort of have a recurring thought lurking somewhere in the dark shadowy depths of my being, a thought that rises up at times that thinks, I want to do so many things, yet there simply aren't enough life minutes. Sigh. I know it's foolish. I know I'll do everything that I'll do in the time that I'm here. This is just another existential concern. So thanks for sharing such wisdom today. Smiles. P.S. And your poem, I Thought I Was Hungry, filled my spirit. And I wrote back to Em. Hi, Em. I'm so glad the show was company for you on your hike. I love to listen to podcasts on my way up the hill, too. I love your point of view about the potential sadness that may be under the overwhelmed feelings when trying to figure out how to accomplish even those things that I want to do. That is an angle I hadn't considered. I do struggle quite a bit with the feeling that I've wasted time and opportunities, and I can see my life clock ticking ever faster. So this gives me a new tool in the heart priority toolkit for making the rest of my life meaningful and filled with gratitude for what I have and what I may still accomplish with what talents and time I possess.
Love existential puzzles to ponder. Hugs for bringing this awesome thought forward. XOXOXO. P.S. Thanks for the thoughts on my poem. By the way, I'm working on your piece, Whole Bean Eating, with my new mic for the next episode. Love what you wrote, and I'm practicing good mic technique and placement as I transition into regular voice acting auditions. Thanks for sharing your wonderful writing and giving me an awesome opportunity to practice. XOXOXO. And here it is for Lori's Stories, Whole Bean Eating, written by the wonderful M. Hello and welcome. Sit down, relax, and get ready to listen. It's time for Lori's Stories, where brave companions share what they've been writing. Whole Bean Eating Simply put, food was once fuel. Such sustenance wolfed down to re-energize this little being betwixt its busy bouts with play. Then somehow it transformed into an evil double-edged entity tasting sweet, bringing comfort, yet packed with such prohibition. An enemy, whether full or empty. No, not this, but that or nothing. Hungry for life, imagined, not real, starving the body, its whole being. A silent, almost imperceptible, aha, knowing it was never the food stuff, but all of the other stuffs, the junk hidden in plain sight, its dull aching. Will, not in power, but as allowance, acceptance, assent and appreciation for nourishment of body and being sustaining and empowering this life, intuiting its needs, even its desires, nibbling on its freedom from the fear, understanding what truly nourishes, appreciation of this body just as it is. Whole being eating with joy, yum. and storytellers. If you'd like to share your story, just call the Bravery Hotline. You speak pipe or email Lori your story to be read on the air. Just mention this is for Lori's stories and she'll do the rest. Thanks, Sam, for that evocative meditation on what our hungers truly are. And if you would love to read more of M's writing, visit her blog, A Wild One Within, on WordPress.com, and I'll be sure to put the link on today's show notes. Okay, to wrap up today's show, I feel I've made so much progress lately, but it feels like a really painful and awkward shift in identity. So much so, I wrote the following blog post to process the gnawing feelings of abandonment and the growing urge to diet. It was powerful for me, and I only actually published the post for you after going through it in therapy first, because I thought I had probably reverted to my day for pathetic self. But as you will hear, that wasn't the whole story. The blog post is called The Three C's of My Identity Crisis. 
and it opens with a professional headshot of me in makeup and my corporate finery. I had this taken just prior to retirement for when I was booking corporate speaking gigs. I'm using it now on one of my profile pages where I audition for voice work as my coach, actor David Babbage says, it still looks enough like me and it represents me well as friendly and motivational and professional. So. If you guys want to see me in corporate regalia, come to today's show notes, day 118, and take a gander at that picture. Oh, what am I saying? <laughs> Go to the link to that blog post, and there you'll see the picture. Anyway, moving on. Feeling like I'm missing something. Still been in a bit of a slump. Getting off my ass and recording day 117 helped me somewhat. I was proud that I made it up the mountain in that horrible heat. I was proud I kept my commitment to myself and you, the BCs, to keep on delivering shows despite how well or not well I am doing in the compulsive slash intuitive arena. I was proud that I made an effort when, frankly, I felt like curling up on the couch and giving up. Whoa, strong words there, Lori. What happened? What's up with you? C's are missing. Okay, we get you love alliteration, but huh? What the heck? Remember I told you about how hard it was to be suddenly retired? How my identity shifted suddenly and I was lost? It's a hard thing to lose your sense of self. It was weird to go from corporate go-getter to stuttering homebody. It was weird to go from business casual to PJs and t-shirts overnight. I floundered quite a bit. Of course, I did get a redecorated house out of that deal. Poor Mark had to help me find purpose some way, and that one fit the bill. Plus, we needed repair and revision for many years, and me becoming our remodeling slash redecorating liaison let Mark continue his day job for a while longer with the wondrous prospect of him not having to paint and repair the whole house for the first six months of his upcoming retirement. Oh, anyway, back to the story. I finally found podcasting as a way to get over my stuttering and fear of speaking. I loved it, and I had high hopes. Well, you know how my first show went. Popular with listeners, but not with participants. I found myself growing more unhappy as I recorded fun shows in a vacuum. Now, many podcasters only care about listeners, so that is not a bad thing. It's just that I realized it wasn't fun for me. The conversation was the fun. As my unhappiness grew and the lassitude grew, so did my waistline. Finally, an unexpected photo jolted me out of inaction, and like a train on a track, I was back on my well-worn diet side of the binge diet cycle. I felt better the minute I decided to diet, like always. When you have a plan, you can address the benefits of it in a wonderful fantasy line bypassing of the work and actual discomfort said plan entails and zoom straight to the Hosanna future outcome. This time will be different. This time I'll do it. This time I'll get this weight off for good and my life will finally all work out. As you know, if you are a listener to the show, I also decided to look under my compulsive chip behavior and see what saying the unsayable would do for me. Would it make a difference? Would it help me stay on my diet and be different and lose weight and keep it off for good? Nope, it didn't. I still gained weight when I ate more than I burned. Damn physics. My diet cycle didn't magically adjust and become easier but I did find something I had never found before. The first C, companions. When I first recorded Compulsive Overeating Diary, I had no idea that so many of us were out there. 
I felt I was a crazy, weird aberration of nature, doomed to be alone for all time, that I had to hide myself away like the Phantom of the Opera behind a mask of socially acceptable smiliness and hatred of my size. We all know it's okay to be fat as long as you hate it. This buys into the social norm. You can be on a diet or wishing to be on a diet or at least gazing with wonder and approval at those who were showing their fortitude by sticking to their diets. In short, we buy into that fat is bad, thin is good. We don't deserve anything when we are fat. Look at Oprah. She's one of the most powerful, self-made, successful women on the planet. Yet she herself has written many times in many decades that she still felt a failure due to her weight struggle. When you accept this story, you are one of the crowd, an outlier maybe, but still one of the herd. When UBC started to communicate and accept me, even when I didn't diet, I was astounded. There were others in the world who could value me and my thoughts apart from the social norm. I struggled to shed 50 years of wrong-headed thinking, and you were right there, giving support, comments, participation. One of my early BCs, and one of the first to disappear, once described me as leading a ragtag band of rebel companions in the brave fight to self-acceptance and meaningful life. Wow, was I doing that? Sounded good anyway. I truly enjoyed the sense of having others like me, a tribe, kids to play with who wouldn't always pick me last. It was a new feeling. To be myself and still have people stay around until they didn't. I know, I know, don't take it personally, it's them, not you. Well, yes and no. Partially it's the breaks of who the audience would likely be for compulsive overeating diary. If you think in ways similar to what I experience, you have, like me, possible mood swings, love slash hate relationships with people, programs, things, obsessiveness, and the love of new and shiny next things. Distractions are good. Easy to move on to other priorities and fascinations. Our podcaster slash listener slash participant relationship, if we've been together through all of these episodes, is more like settled married couple than sexy new daters. The energy is different. We've been there, done that, and it is more about stability and familiarity. So the reasons BCs might leave are many, and most don't really include me. They are, one, life. Two, busyness. Three, other priorities. Four, plain tired of hearing it. Five, wanting something new. Six, deciding they actually disagree and don't want to listen to this approach any longer. Seven, not feeling well. Eight, feeling really well. Nine, moving up. Ten, moving on. Eleven, moving away. No person can please everyone. I certainly can't. Anyway, when a few of the participating BCs are away, I do feel the lack, but move on pretty well. Even when weeks go by with many of the participating BCs being busy or otherwise engaged, I do fine. But for a few months now, most BCs are away, or at least not participating or communicating with me as they once did. Now some do. Hugs Donnie and M for your comments on my last episode, and Dave who commented even as I was writing this yesterday. I so appreciate it. But the amount of BC participation has grown so slim, it's a trickle compared to the river it once was. So I'm back in the identity crisis. I'm trying to be brave, 
without the companions. My rebel leader hat has fallen off and I'm trying to again find my place in the world, which leads to my next crisis of C, certainty. The show used to give me something I never had before, the certainty that I actually knew deep down what is right for me. I could finally tell if one path felt like it was resonating or not. Lately, I've been struggling again. Another reason it's hard to do shows. Talking to myself is very hard after being used to your feedback. It is especially hard when thoughts of dieting come back and tickle my ear with promises of everything being okay. I still hate being fat. There, I said it out loud, or at least put it in writing. I do. But I don't hate myself for being fat. That's the difference. Still, when I am sad or lost or feeling alone, that diet talk beckons me. Come back to the fold. Be one with society again. Don't fight it. Dang, I hate when that happens. In therapy, I discovered that the dieting feeling and my body discomfort is more about my perceived lack of control. I can't control you, nor do I want to. I can't control if or when I'll be hired for voice work versus spending money on training. I can't even control how my body reacts to my age. Both Mark and I are subject to more aches and pains. It's part of life, but annoying. All I can control is myself. And when I'm in a panic and unsure, what is my go-to method of control? Dieting. And what will convince me to diet when I know I don't want to? Ramp up the inner criticism about my body. Bring back old ghosts to haunt my head. My comfortable identity is fat chick wanting to be thin chick. My new identity is fat chick wanting to be okay as is, even if a different body type would be nice. The new identity is very hard to maintain in the hard times, the lonely times, the self-doubting times. But it is these trials that forge the strength I need to develop. The final C, consistency. Consistency is our ability to be true to a path as long as we truly feel it is right for us. Those of us in long-term relationships like marriage or family or long-held friends know that there are times when we don't feel like we are clicking and all is not peaceful and fine. That is part of growth and being individuals. Overall, it is the sum of the ups and downs in the time we are together that creates the relationship. It is the stability and consistency that makes it safe and known and familiar. To date, I've had 50 years of disordered relationship with food. Even though this is not a great relationship, it was consistent. It feels familiar. It feels safe. My new relationship with me feels awkward and bumpy and difficult. I don't know what it entails in the way I know what binging and dieting entail. To gain mastery in any skill, voice acting, sports, writing, intuitive eating, takes consistent practice. Each time I forego the chance to pay attention and practice one of these, I lose out on the chance to progress. Sometimes I'm just too tired to grow, but there is a difference between resting and giving up. My 50 years of compulsive thinking tells me when things get hard or boring or are no longer great at distracting me, give it up, move on to the next great thing. It is taking grit and fortitude that doesn't feel easy or fun to maintain my course. I know that voice acting is possible, but a career is still years away in practice, skill, and sticking with it. Writing is improving, 
though time and time again I forgo the book I wish to write for TV, a time suck of the highest order. Maybe it isn't the book for me, or maybe I am too afraid to try it for real. It is a dark and murky place sorting my feelings. The show is still good. I enjoy my old episodes. I'm proud of the work and that so many of you trusted me with your stories, voices, and thoughts. But it also points out to me again just how many BCs there were who used to participate and then just disappeared. Am I stuck and you are moving on? Are we moving on at different rhythms and I just don't perceive you there? Is my lesson to learn to give without expectation? Is my lesson to focus only on myself? Is my lesson to just let the world be what it is and understand that there are good days and bad days for us all? There is no perfect life. There is no perfect day. There are only moments when we consistently notice that we are alive. There is no denying this was a powerful piece for me to write. I learned so much from just putting the words down. I shared them in therapy and then I shared them with the BCs who subscribe on the website or who drop by. And many of them left me mindful and thoughtful comments that further helped my growth. Here are just a few. The first comes from Fiona, our talented songwriter and singer. Lori, so much of what you wrote here is exactly what I myself have been dealing with. I would describe it as a feeling of burnout. I feel less motivated to work on things, create things, and when I look around and see people around me aren't jumping for joy about what I'm doing, I feel even less motivated. When I started my Sweet Moments Challenge, I was getting loads of likes and comments. Now I'm lucky if I get one. I tell myself that I write for me to get my thoughts organized and to challenge myself, but I think there is a deeper layer that is all about seeking attention and praise. I have a need to be seen by others, not just seen for who I am, warts and all, but I need to be seen as great. I would rather know and see me at all if I am feeling less than my best. If I am feeling overwhelmed, vulnerable, unmotivated, fat, ugly, or dumb, I won't reach out because I don't want others to mirror back what I am feeling. And like you, when a project is hard or I feel uninspired, more often than not, it's on to the next thing. Maybe we need to periodically ask ourselves what we are missing in our lives, as you have here. And then we need to take it upon ourselves to ask for what we need. I don't like asking for help for any reason, but I believe it is really necessary. We can't exist forever in a vacuum alone with our crazy-making brains. This is the work and this is life, the good and the bad, the pain and the joy. We don't need to be happy. I truly believe that the goal is to allow ourselves to be without beating ourselves up about it. I don't have to tell you, you are not defined by your listenership or how many BCs stick around. My answer, well, Fiona, I think you have hit upon a universal truth. It seems that the drive for perfection may be to cover up what we perceive as flaws. You know, it is true that women had to work twice as hard to get half as far in the corporate world. You always had the feeling that you must give 150%, impossible as that is. And when you were writing about needing to be seen as great and not wanting to be seen when you felt less than your best, I so related. What you write here resonates with me in that I have always felt so less than, so flawed, so not great, that I always put in superhuman effort to overcome my flaws and convince you, really myself, that I am indeed worthy and okay. Lately, this has been less so. 
So this latest attack of the pathetics freaked me out. In fact, I wrote most of this post yesterday and almost didn't publish it as it felt so pathetic. Then after therapy, I realized it wasn't pathetic. It just happened to be how I felt. My therapist said something new to me also. She said, it didn't matter if from outside appearances, everything was indeed going well or not. I was entitled to feel it wasn't. That people sometimes just like to feel a blue mood and whine and moan for a season. Wow, I've always been ashamed of that tendency and now I find out it's normal. I decided to let the majority of the post stand and edit it just to include what I'd learned that had helped me. Often I forget what I write after it's written. Once it's out of my system, it's out of my mind. So I like to reread my postings to remember where I was and what I learned. Your sweet moments remind me of that. It's such a great point of view to look for the good. When that's what you see, you forget the sweet is often mixed with the bitter and the mundane. But when you don't record the good, it's easy to forget it existed. It is so much easier to remember the negative. You are also correct that I know very well I am not defined by BCs or even listeners, though those are up by the way. The listeners are coming to the show in droves. But while I no longer define myself as good or as pathetic based on numbers or quality of feedback, I, like you, am impacted by it. I decided that it is okay with me to be honest about how I feel, that it isn't manipulative and it has value for me to admit the good and the bad and the pathetic. I'm a mixture, as we all are. I need to be okay with boring days and feeling how I do on any day and not be ashamed or so caretaking that I don't want to mention it. But with all of that, I want you to know that I appreciate your brave comments here and also how talented as you are that you can feel a lack. It's part of our humanness, my friend. You, from my perspective, are loving, caring, and talented in all of the very best ways. I have every faith that you will find your way. And after all, without all this silly drama, how would we have stories to tell or songs to write? It's our paint box, my dear, our paint. Thanks again, Fiona, for your brave words. And I'll post again a link to Fiona's blog, Fiona Sings, because she posts almost daily the sweet moments she finds in her life. And it is a wonderful meditation and a great example of how small things can create a new positive attitude. Please check it out and take the time to say hello to her. Another thoughtful and well-written comment comes from Amy in Wisconsin. Amy writes, Hi, Lori. Once again, thank you for your honesty and for the bravery that such honesty takes. There was a lot to think about in this post, so I broke it down by your three C's. Companions. I have seen this phenomenon again and again in my own life and in friends. Something is big and interesting for a season, a reason, or forever. Perhaps the season has passed for some BCs. Perhaps the reason has passed for some BCs. But some of us are around for the long haul, although we may be quiet due to some of the reasons that you listed. I can say with a high degree of confidence that the vast majority of people who moved on didn't move on because they are no longer struggling with food. They moved on because you didn't have the magic cure that we all so desperately want. You are giving us the real life, long-term, slow-moving struggle that is recovering from compulsive overeating. A small note for those of us that are in it for the long term, you used to do frequent, shorter shows. For me, that helped me to stay in contact because you were frequently in my feed and talking in my ear. Also, I could leave a quick, short comment without having to compose a lot of thoughts on a long show. 
Was it easier for you too as well? Is your perfectionism telling you you must have lots to say and deep thoughts before you can record? Just something to think about. Certainty. I can join in with you in saying that I also hate being fat. I do not hate me or think I'm a loser or feel I should hide in a dark room because of my fat, but I really do not like having all these rolls around my middle or two freaking cantaloupes on my chest as I try to move through my day and lead an active, interesting life. Intuitive eating wasn't my path, but it sure seems to have been the right path for you. Stick to your guns and keep being as honest as you can about how much and why you are eating. Although you have been eating intuitively for over a year, that is still relatively new and you will continue to make progress. I find that including more activity in my life makes a big difference. Have you been walking and biking as much? Could you find a place to swim to beat the heat? Consistency. Everything you said is right on in regards to consistency. What I've been learning about in my book, quote, you are not your brain, unquote, lines up with what you said. But from the scientific side, you have formed many neuropathways that support your old relationship with food. It takes time and effort to change these pathways, but it can be done. Every time you choose the new way, you are strengthening the new path and weakening the old. So keep it up. Easier said than done, I know. But we are here to support you, Amy. Amy brought up many great points to ponder, and here's my answer. Wow, Amy, you have written so eloquently here. I think you are so spot on. I think part of my own ennui is that I am sorry I didn't stumble onto the magic answer either. It was also more exciting for me when the show was newer and the discoveries were flying into my consciousness and the feeling of shiny newness was all about me in the air. Now it is a slog. I'm refining on a micro level those pathways of which you speak. I no longer binge in my old way. I no longer diet in my old way. The habits and feelings I need to recognize and change don't make a dramatic result. I'm no longer trying new activities. I'm refining those I discovered. I am happier than I was before, but for a person of my temperament, it is very new to just stick and not wildly swing from one path or activity to the next. I guess I'm a Peter Pan who is starting to behave in a mature, grown-up manner and regrets at times the loss of Neverland. I agree with the early shows being easier to produce and comment on, but it isn't perfectionism now that changed the content or the timetable. When I began, I was hanging on every day to stay on my diet. I was obsessed and using the show to help support me. Then I started to realize my true issues and again used the show to support me. As I began to get better and deal with my life, my life expanded into other areas I've talked about and some I haven't. I began to lose my obsession or at least modify it and spend more time on singing or acting or keeping in touch with friends more than before. So I have a double whammy to the format. I no longer have time to produce as many shows. Even the bonus unwritten shows take quite a bit of time to edit and publish and my new thoughts aren't coming as often. I need more time to ponder what's up as they are not a surface base. Does this make any sense? Perhaps what I'm feeling now is the loss that comes from moving on. I'm not saying the show is over, that I want to give it up, but Compulsive Overeating Diary is no longer what it was. You are right. It is the long, slow documentation of how my compulsive eating is slowly being replaced with healthier living. It's kind of boring, my eating stories these days. Hence, I'm more interested in my other activities and the stories from the BCs. So imagine my frustration when the stories aren't there. However, I don't resent it or blame the BCs. 
I'm just sad I don't get everything I want tied in a nice Lori-centric bow for me. I still have the Cinderella hope that the glass slipper will fit and I will be the princess that someone was looking for. But as Donnie has written and you have written, I am princess in my story. I need to find ways to be authentic to what I feel, process the losses and move forward to what is now. Denial and regret in the past led right back to the chips and dang it, chips no longer work. You are also correct that with my busyness and the hot weather, our exercise has been limited. This is a really bad combo, not only for my weight, but for my mood. Today, I'm celebrating the 4th of July by cleaning the heck out of the downstairs. Doesn't sound like me, does it? But I will feel much more peaceful and I need to celebrate the idea that doing what I can is enough and a very good thing indeed. I also need to focus on the new BCs and the long-term BCs who are still here. Each one of you is a blessing and a lesson for me. I do appreciate the time and thought and care you spend with me. Many of you have said I make a difference. I say you make a difference to me. XOXOXO. By the way, Mark and I did spend July 4th and 5th cleaning our home. Our home is back to being a peaceful environment versus a chaotic place of overwhelmingness. I'll close the show with the last comment I'll feature today from Sue from the UK. Interesting thoughts from everyone here. I wonder if it is a good sign rather than a bad one that more of us are engaged in a wider variety of things. I am so thrilled to hear about Lori's voice acting, singing, and biking adventures. Many of us have full-time jobs, which from time to time become very time-consuming. I know from past experience that when I have extended time away from work due to illness or other reasons, I can jump into the online world rather than experience life face-to-face. It is so frustrating when you are relying on others to engage in the same activity online. I found this to be true when I used to host backgammon slash canasta tournaments. I also know I have a tendency to find some sort of pastime that I obsess over for quite a while. Then I drop it and move on. Sometimes I even go back to doing things I used to enjoy. I have learned so much from all of the BCs as things people share often act as a mirror. Each pearl of wisdom helps me to accept myself a little more. I also love to hear about the wider things you are involved in as it shows you are living your dreams or testing your dreams. That is so much more healthy than exclusively focusing on, I am so disappointed in myself because I am too fat, etc. I love the direction the show has moved towards and the bravery shown by many is inspirational and gives me courage to try new things too. Well, those are wonderful words, Sue, and you are right. Nothing can make me happier than to know a BC is out trying new adventures. Well, almost nothing. It would make me personally happier if the BC would call the Bravery Hotline or use SpeakPipe and tell us all about them, because then my show would be your show too. Until next time, BCs, have some great adventures, enjoy life, whatever the result. And take care, because I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. 
Mas quem 